Hello, this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul Angeline. And today we're talking to Christopher, creator of the Black Void RPG. Are you there, Christopher? Yes. Hello. <laughs> Jolene's, we're not going to try to say your last name. Could you no. say it for us? Yep. Uh, Christopher Sevelson. Sevelson. That yes. sounds sounds easy. Mm-hmm. So we got to play test your game. Uh, yes. Well, we didn't play test it. We actually got a copy of your game, and I ran a game of it a few weeks ago mm-hmm. with my home group. Yep. And it was a big hit. <laughs> nice. I'm so yes. happy to hear that. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. We did a you know we did a podcast about it, but we wanted to have you come on and get a little bit of a little bit of biography about you. You know who you yeah. are. Mm-hmm. So the big first question is, you know, when did you start gaming? Was it like Monopoly and careers? And you're from <laughs> Sweden, Denmark. Denmark. Yeah. Sorry, Denmark. you know Americans have no idea about geography. It's Especially Scandinavia, Saul. so it's all right. <laughs> We're all Scandinavians, so it, it works out. So how was gaming uh, when you grew up in Denmark? Well, you know, I think in, if, you are, if you talk about role-playing games, it started when I was around 12, probably. Um, uh-huh. When I saw some guys, some of the older students in my school playing in the hallways. And then I just asked if I could join. And, and they uh, surprisingly said yes. Uh, wow. And, and that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's sort of how, how the whole thing started. You say playing in the hallway, did they have tables or were they just like standing up doing... No, yeah, LARPing? there were tables. So they were sort of like uh, lounge areas around the school I went to. So so in the in the recess and after school and so on, there was this group of people that gathered and I saw they have these little cool minis of orcs and so, uh, so on. And I just thought, ah, this looks cool. Um, yeah. And then, then I joined and then I was watching the... Um, Dungeons and Dragons cartoons on TV. So ah, obviously, yes. I asked if I could have a lightning bow, and the DM said yes. So I was in high heaven. <laughs> wow! Um, and that's sort of how the whole thing started, all those many years ago. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I started when I was eleven, but that was probably a little bit earlier than you. Mm. And with us, it was like not in school. You know, it was like we don't want to be attached to that nerd culture because <laughs> you get beat up here in the United States, I guess. So it's a little different, and that, but that's cool that they were open enough to be able to play in grammar school or, or grade yeah. school, whatever you call it over there. Mm. Yeah, so, no, it was really cool. How long did you play before you start thinking that, you know, write your own rules, right? Right. Because right. like a lot of people who play games, especially, I don't, I don't know about you know newer people, but you know, back in the old days, we always thought, oh, we can make D&D better yeah. And a lot of people would homebrew yeah, or even sure. come up with their own system. So exactly. how how long did it take for you to start, you know, probably tweaking rules and doing stuff like that? Well, I think for me that pretty much started in high school. Um, okay. Because then we started, you know, doing a bit of, of house rules and so on and so forth. And we had we had a couple of, of gaming groups going um, and I was DMing one and... And we just started. I just started with a homebrew world. Um, cool. And and then it just sort of grew from there. I think we ran a campaign in that homebrew maybe two or three years, actually, pretty much all the way through high school. Wow. Um, and then, well, on and off. So sometimes we'd take a break for a couple of months and play some somebody else's game. Uh, okay. But but it was pretty consistent. I think I ran maybe two or three different groups in that same setting. Which was D and D, but obviously with a few tweaks and 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 so on and so forth. 
Right. And and from there sort of sprung what what became Black Void later. But unfortunately, so I had maybe like 300 pages of written materials for that setting. But wow. major data mishap means that everything was lost. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, so I kind of had to start from scratch. But then you know it was it was sort of a generic setting. So I think maybe okay. in the long run it was a good thing because that meant I had to. I, I wanted to rethink the entire thing, and there's pretty much. I think the only thing that's left from that setting is probably the name Lynn. Um, <laughs> the, the city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which was a completely different city in that setting. Um, but okay. I just, I really like the name. So, um, so, so yeah. you had everything on a computer? You didn't yeah. have like EndNotes? Uh, I do still. You're so actually, advanced. I mean, yeah, I yeah. have notes from when I was a kid. Well, and I like, still have notes. scribbles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I do actually because uh, we just moved to Singapore, so I went through everything, and I just found actually two folders with with various scribbled hand notes. So there is some stuff still there, um, <laughs> cool. but it's. I think it's more sort of memorabilia than anything useful, to be honest. <laughs> How long ago did you start actually working on, on this game? Because it's not only a new setting, it's a whole completely different set of rules. Yeah. And what, what, what kind of led up to going away from D&D and coming up with your own system? Well, I've, I've, always, I've always felt that classes and alignment was too restrictive and didn't really make sense. Right. Um, I know it, it makes things easy and, and that's good, obviously. Um, but I wanted sort of less constrained way of, of doing characters. And obviously other games have that, such as GURPS and so on and so forth, where you can do pretty much whatever you want. And then I, I had this idea of a setting. It only later on became that I wanted to actually do a mechanic system for it. So I, I, was, I was building the setting uh, just for fun, basically. Yeah. And then I realized that I wanted to veer into directions that weren't really covered uh, by D&D or any other system. Um, I was playing quite a lot of uh, Vampire and, and Call of Cthulhu at the time as well. Uh, um, uh, but I thought rather than you know trying to adapt another system, which is going to be kind of weird anyway, you know, I'd rather start from scratch and make something that just completely fits what I wanted to do, you know? Right, and then that sort of evolved evolved over the years, um, and I think the in the current state that it's in, it's probably been worked on on and off for the past maybe ten, twelve years, maybe a little bit longer. Wow! Um, but but with 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 long gaps in between uh, occasionally. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an old baby, so to say. <laughs> well, yeah, because like you know, like I said, everybody seems to think that they have a. I mean. It's, not everybody, but a lot of players you know, mm. think, well, you know, th this game doesn't quite do it for me. So, yeah. you know, my brother came up with some percentile system years ago mm -hmm. and we, you know, we played a little bit and it seemed like it worked. We're, we're unmotivated in that direction. So, mm. so I'm sure he still has had it written out somewhere. Yeah. But to get from uh, from that stage to like, you know, presenting it to your friends and then mm -hmm. from there, maybe even like. You know, writing things down and and yeah. formatting it and making it nice. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how did you jump that that big old divide? Well, I've you know, always how did you go f yeah from homebrew to your to a game. Right. Well, I I I kind of early on because I'm a geek for such things. You know, I like writing <laughs> things down and making nice layouts and that sort of thing. So so 
I think quite early I started doing that actually, and then I started playtesting it with my friends. And by that time, there was quite a lot written down already. But then what happened? Then we moved to Dubai, and it was kind of on standstill for a lot of time. But it was still sort of in the back of my uh, in the back of my head. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, I discovered Kickstarter. Um, and, and there's this guy in Australia, uh, called Wade who launched Fragged Empire. Um, and that was his first game as well. And I was so, you know, impressed with what he was doing and that he wasn't like a big corporation and so on and so forth. So I thought, well, if he can do it and make something awesome, then why don't I give it a go? Because, you know. I, I obviously liked my concept and I thought it was a great I, way to sort of test the market to see if there's any interest in it or if it was just me who thought it was cool and everybody thought it was lame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think Kickstarter is a great way of doing that. So not only funding it, obviously, but also testing to see what is there actually any interest in the marketplace for a game such as this. Right. Um, yeah. So, and, and, you know, when I was starting considering that, the book was probably 65% done or something like this. And I had been playtesting in Dubai because in Dubai we have something called golf role-playing community, uh, which was quite surprising to me, but there's uh, there's a lot of members and they do- wow. Very cool. Yeah, it is actually. And we've got people from United Arab Emirates, from Saudi, from Kuwait, from Qatar and so on and so forth. And they do uh, mini cons every, uh, every three months. And you have people coming in from uh, pretty much the whole region, actually, to, to play games. So I started running Black Void games at these minicoms and got some interesting feedback. And, you know, people seemed quite enthusiastic about it and so on. So obviously that spurred it on. And then, then yeah, I, I decided to take the jump. You know, I had a chat with my wife and said, darling, I really want to <laughs> give this a go. Can you carry the financial burden for a while, please? Um <laughs> And she was amazing enough to say yes, uh, wow. and uh, and that's obviously part of the the reason that that I managed to do in 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 such a fairly short time because otherwise it would have been after work and so on. So I dedicated my entire time to uh, to focusing on that. Wow, she said that's wonderful. Good. Yeah, definitely. So does your wife play? No, not at all. No. No, but she, I mean, she knew or she knows that this is a big dream of mine. Um, Right. And also at the time I was, I was, um, I was partner in another company that I thought was going to take a lot more of my time. But when that sort of, I found out I could spend maybe two days a week doing that and then what to do with the rest of my time as well. And then I had this thing and then I thought, well, you know what, take a jump, take a leap, you know, give it a go. Rather than going the the beaten path, you know, jump into it. So uh, so I did. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat that your wife was, you know, well, you know, because like, if I'm not sure my wife was like, you know, hey, I have this crazy idea, Jolene, and mm. and she's like, uh, I don't think so. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing exactly. is, is that you know, you, obviously you have skills and and you're very you know organized to have uh, 300 pages on your computer. Mm-hmm. I, I maybe have you know a few notes scribbled on five or six notebooks. He right. has more like 25 notebooks <laughs> at least. Yeah, but they're handwritten and I, I write really large. So when you started Kickstarter, that, that's yeah. a big deal. There's, there's a bit of a learning curve to how to like properly, you know, because you could, you could do Kickstarters all day long and mm. none of them will fund yeah. and you're stuck with a bunch of non-funded Kickstarters. But, yeah. but 
just like you said, that guy who did Fragged Empire, this is your first one. Yeah. Obviously, you did some research or yes. you know, what did you do? Right. Well, there's two things to it. First, I bought a book called The Crowd Sorceress because um, I wanted to read up on, you know, the do's and don'ts. And that's actually a really good book. Cool. Um, so, so that taught me a lot in terms of, you know, planning and, and which platform to use and how to have proper reach and all that stuff. Uh, right. so, so that was a good sort of basis. Uh, secondly, my, my former job was as a marketing director. So I had a pretty good idea of how to run campaigns. So obviously wow. that, uh, that helped me as well. So what I did was I spent maybe two months planning the actual campaign I was going to run. But prior to that, I'd probably spent like six months building, uh, you know, a mailing list, a network, sending out the quick start, the beta quick start to anybody who was interested in return for them, you know, being signed up on the mailing list. So I had, you know, um, a group of people that had shown interest prior to actually launching the Kickstarter, which is very right. important. So yes, yeah, so, so a lot of effort went into it, obviously, because I thought, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right, because otherwise there's right. absolutely no point. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of work. Well, it's, you know, if you could just do it by turning around saying, hey, I'm going to do it, and then uh, and then it's going to be successful. That's, uh, yeah, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. So you said you, you spent like six months, uh, like eight months prior to even starting the Kickstarter, getting yeah. things ready, getting things rolling. I've heard, I heard about marketing before you even get on Kickstarter. You don't want to try to market after you start the Kickstarter, right. you know, you, like you said, you already had like your kind of like a fan base ready to, yeah. to, you know, to look at, at least look at your Kickstarter. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty I cool. Mean, but it's still yeah. kind of nerve wracking, right? It, uh, definitely. I mean, I, for the entire month that the Kickstarter was running, I, I didn't sleep very much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I look back at it and I'm, I'm so happy, but at the same time, like, Oh, that was a killer, you know? And we had a baby a little bit prior to that as well. So that obviously didn't help anything either. Um, so, but, you know, it was an amazing time and I'm looking forward to doing it again at some point. Okay. But, but, you know, it's tough. But, you know, the, the thing about this, obviously, it's, it's a work of love. It's a, it's a yeah. passion project. So, you know, you, you sit there and you stare and you see the numbers go up and you're like, you just can't get your arms down. And then you get to talk to cool people and there's... You know, you see that it's starting to go somewhere and it's just an indescribable feeling. I have friends, you know, I'm, I live here in the Bay Area, mm. uh, Silicon Valley, San Jose, whatever you want to call it. Right. And there's quite a few people here I know that, you know, are in the business sort of. And they, you know, some people use Kickstarter and uh, we we deal with a lot of people who are doing protospiel, mainly board games. And, mm -hmm. you know, they've had successful Kickstarters and they all say how nervous and and yeah. It's kind of painful it is sometimes to yeah you, know, you got to stay awake and look at the at the numbers yeah, <laughs> as true. they scroll by yeah exactly so do you want to want to tell us a little bit about your game for those well, people who right. don't know about it um, well setting wise it's um, Earth was uh, had a cataclysm and humanity was uh, was thrown out into the great void and after a certain amount of time started washing up on different worlds and. Uh, and finally ended up in a place called Lynn the Eternal, which is this huge otherworldly city um, that nobody actually really knows where is. And there it's about rebuilding humanity. 
and that that's sort of the premise of it um and the whole concept is what do you do when you're caught in in completely unfamiliar surroundings and and basically are at the bottom of the food chain because that's where humanity is so so that's sort of the the main premise uh, and then it's about you know finding yourself and rebuilding humanity and and so on and so forth and i mean there's this so many paths you can take um, because I wanted it to really be, you know, not generic, but have a lot of different avenues that you can pursue. So if you want to go the sort of heroic uh, adventure way, you can do that. If you want to go more horror-wise, you can do that. If you want to do more exploration, you can do that. If you want to do intrigue, you can do that. I mean, there's, there's. I tried to, to keep it as, as broad as possible, but within you know, framed within one concept that hopefully resonates with uh, with a lot of people. It was wonderful. The idea of humanity having to come back. Mm. The people that we played with thought that was the most grand idea. Nice. And, and they really, really enjoyed it. Of course, Saul always runs heroic intrigue games. So <laughs> it was really cool. Mm. Nice. Well, what I, what I thought was kind of strange too is that, you know, uh, at least half might. Uh, some of them might listen to my our podcast, yeah. but they're kind of motor hoboish, right? You know, they like <laughs> they, they like killing monsters and taking mm-hmm. their stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, sometimes I, I I'll run a game and I'm not sure how it's going to go over. You know, yeah. with them, and the, I was I, honestly I was surprised that they really liked it as much as they did because like I was waiting for them to complain. Well, you know. You know, we're, we're, what kind of magic stuff do we find? And right, you know, but but there was none of that. It was just like, cool. oh, you know, let's look at what what we can do here in a certain situation. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really neat. I thought it was it was pretty good. It was eye opening for me because I I really thought that I was stuck with motor hobos for the rest of my <laughs> you know, GMing days. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. How that's easy amazing. that it was to move to that direction. Cool, cool. Yeah, but I it, thought it was fantastic. interesting the void part. Yeah. yeah. Can you explain that? Uh, <laughs> well, it, it's intentionally a little bit inexplicable. I mean, I think so. The way I describe it in the core book is kind of like if you're not enlightened, which is the mechanics for actually understanding the whole void concept, it's like describing what the sun is to a blind person because you can feel the heat on your skin and so on, but you can't understand the entire concept. Exactly. Uh, but basically what it is, is that it's a dual reality. So you have the cosmos, which is matter and order, and you have the, the void, which is chaos and catalyst. And separating these two, you have a metaphysical veil. But in some places, this veil is thin and can be perforated. And when that happens, the void acts on the cosmos, making change and causing creation and so on and so forth. Um, so that's sort of the basics of it. But what you can do is... If you become enlightened, um, you can actually sense the void, which means you can actually find the perforations and you can enter from the cosmos into the void. And the thing is, where there's perforations, the void flows towards these uh, ruptures, you might call them, and you can actually navigate those torrents or, or currents in the void. And that's how you travel from world to world. That is the coolest thing. It reminded me of quantum mechanics. And I was like... Wow, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I had a tough time talking about the void because I'm like, 
well, how do you describe it? You know, and so, yeah. you know, they, they kind of got the gist of it. I think mm. I did a, a decent job of, doing, of describing it. But you're, you're obviously, you're much better at it than I am. <laughs> Well, yeah, a little bit more practice. Well, yeah, yeah, a little. I made the weird thing up, so yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you were thinking about, uh, well, in the future, yeah. about maybe other Kickstarter projects. Yeah. So when this Kickstarter uh, was completed, mm-hmm. you you had the core book, and was there something else that you made? Well, what happened was we uh, we managed to get uh, 218% funded. Uh, which was obviously amazing. Uh, yeah. And that meant that all the stretch goals that I had planned actually got funded as well. So what we managed to get, rather than just having the core book, was core book, arbiter screen, uh, dice, as well as uh, an adventure module, or three adventure modules in one uh, one campaign. Uh, right. And we, we managed to get enough funds to actually do all of those things. And a soundtrack, by the way. Which is very important. Oh, hmm? cool! Yeah, man, you're all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you you must be a really good uh, project manager or or, or uh, director, or whatever you do, because I think it'd be pretty tough to make a book. Yes. But you know, then you add like physical things like dice, which mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you do you have like a dice maker in your backyard or something? No, you know, you know uh, no, right? What I what I did was I I did quite a bit of research to find <laughs> you know the the right company to uh, to do that, and I found Q Workshop, which is based in Poland, uh, and they're among the best in the world for sure. Um, a lot of a lot of big companies use them as well, so I reached out to them, and they were really cool. And then I put that as a stretch goal, and then I spent. I don't know, maybe two, three months actually designing the dice to get them, you know, just right. Okay. You know, because the thing is, one thing is making designs that, that fit with the setting, but they have to be legible as well. And there's actually some hidden stuff in there as well, because the D12, there are some symbols in there. So it actually functions as a D3 and a D4 and a D6 at the same time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't, I didn't see your dice, so yeah. I, got, I got to check them out now. Yeah. Definitely, uh, I love dice, so I can't <laughs> wait. And then the thing as well is that this, the the numbers on there are the same numbers as are the chapter uh, numerals in the in the core book. So when you look at the dice, you see the numbers on the faces there. It's the same as in the core book. Oh, that's cool. Hmm? So there's yeah. sort of continuance or consistency throughout the thing. That's amazing. What are your future plans for the game? Possibly. Well, uh, right like... now we started work on the the next book. Um, which is going to be um, a mix between a source book and a campaign book. Okay. So what's going to happen is it's going to be um, three different parts. I mean, that's the, the, the preliminary framework. So the first part is going to be a travelogue, which is going to focus on two districts of the Eternal City, really go into depth with these, you know, uh, detailing the different areas, new factions, uh, new species, NPCs, places of note, that sort of thing. And then there's going to be a player's option uh, section with uh, new weapons, new tattoos, and and different, uh, you know, paraphernalia, exotic uh, items, that sort of thing. A lot of cool new stuff for uh, both for character creation, but also for for when running the games. And there's possibly going to be a guide for how to build void vessels as well. And then the third part is going to be a grand campaign. So yeah, 
That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. I know, but I, I'm I'm very bad at limiting myself. <laughs> um, so it might it might grow over my head, but we'll uh, we'll see. So preliminary work has started on that. Um, cool. And some of the art is being done as we speak. So uh, so that's very exciting. And your book is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Modifius sent us mm. a book. Yeah. And uh, and I'm like, wow. I was like, I was really taken by surprise how how much art you have in the book. Yeah. And you know, you got color pages and full panels. Mm. And I mean, did you describe these to the artist, or you know, I don't even know how that process would work. Well, it's so. Or are you the artist too? <laughs> well, I I drew some of them. Uh, wow. the, the, the bad ones are me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what worked was, or how it worked was I was, I was trying to find artists and a lot of them I found on Instagram actually. Really? Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, searching around and then I, I fell over people and then like just reached out to them. Hey, do you do commissions? And a lot of them actually did. There was, I think there's one or two I found on DeviantArt, but most were on Instagram. Oh, and what the way it worked was in the beginning, I wrote very sort of detailed briefs on exactly what I wanted and how I wanted it and so on and so forth. But as we got more, you know, into it and more comfortable with each other, you know, synergy started to really build. So now I can pretty much just send a couple of keywords and then they come up with some amazing stuff. Yeah, um, so artists that's, are amazing like that. Yeah, exactly. And 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 in some cases, I I sent you know. I need a cool monster. Can you just, you know, do some sketches <laughs> and send it to me? And, and, you know, there was one I'm working on. So some of the early bird backers are actually going to get uh, an art book, a uh, PDF art book that I'm actually working on right now. And in there you can see one of my, uh, one of my artists named Kate. She did a panel where she did, I think, six or seven sketches. And actually six of those became actual species or creatures in the book because they were just so awesome. So, yeah. And then, then what happened was I'm working with, I think, five, five or six uh, fixed artists. And they each have sort of their own speciality that they do really, really well. So some of them do the, the full-size panels and some of them do the DPSs. Some of them do only uh, creatures and so on and so forth. But then I, I try to push them a little bit out of their comfort zone as well to really sort of mix everything up, which has worked out quite well so far. But I've, I've, been, uh, I've been so lucky to find these artists because they really just, you know, they got my vision and not only that, they added to it as well um, so that... Because, you know, it, it can't all come from me. I need inspiration as well. <laughs> and they've, they've done some really inspiring things that are in there. So, um, so right. I've been really, really lucky with that. It just shows your organizational skills to be able to, you know, because I've heard horror stories about artists being, you know, they, they're artists, right? So they yeah. work at their own pace. Of course. And, and some of them, you know, they're slow or they can't get inspired. Mm -hmm. And here you are, have like a good group of people that, were able to put together this book another thing i wanted to talk about was the rules takes up a portion of the book but mm. it's a huge book and <laughs> i was surprised how much you packed into this book mm. i mean it's a big book but uh, i haven't read the whole thing yet because right. it's like it's not like uh you know like an easy read it's 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 you know it gets really in-depth and there's a lot of description yeah. Saul says that about all books. No, <laughs> Don't say it's not an easy read. That's going to be terrible. <laughs> I was going to disagree with him. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? It's it's like, you know, I'm not saying that it's 
not easy to read, but I'm saying that it's, you know, to... It has a lot of information. Yes, it, does. it has a lot of information. Yeah. And it's deep. It's not, like, shallow is what I meant. Right. Right, right. I like that way better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Sorry, um, I'll, I'll cut that other part out. <laughs> nah, it's fine, obviously. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's some of the concepts are really weird. It was difficult to, to, to have them put down in a way that makes sense to anybody else but me. But I think, well, the feedback I've, I've gotten is that that it comes across in a way that's that's understandable but some of it is is sort of heavy i mean there's there's some sort of semi-philosophical bits because i have a b in philosophy so that interests me obviously <laughs> um so, so that stuff is in there as well but it is well, a many, heavy book how many degrees do you have because you've got all kinds of skills well, it seems like i just i only have two i have a bachelor in philosophy and a master's in communication oh well there you go cool so you just moved. Does that have any impact on how you're working, or is it, or is it everything still working? Uh, you know, you you pretty much, you know, you work by yourself, but are able to communicate with other people. You know, yeah, well, I mean, I kind of call it a global one man show because it's it's me, but I, all my artists and contributors are spread all over the world. So in terms of that, it doesn't really change that much. I mean, <laughs> I have I had a colleague. In, in Dubai that I work with quite a lot. So obviously it's different for that. But luckily, you know, in this day and age, you can communicate anyway. So obviously that's fine. So, uh, but you know, I, I think it's it's gonna be great in terms of uh, inspiration and so on to be in this new amazing place as well. And I actually found, I've moved closer to some of my artists. Uh, so I actually <laughs> found out one of them actually is here from Singapore. So that's amazing. I'm, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm meeting him next week. I've never met the guy. So that's gonna be interesting as well. Um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. So, uh, so yeah. So, in terms of that, it's not going to be a huge change because everybody is in different places around the world anyway. So, yeah. Now that you're like, a, you know, pretty successful RPG maker, uh, <laughs> has it become a job, or do you still love creating? Obviously, you still love it. You know, making books and coming up with more stuff because you're not, you know, like some people might say, well, okay, I did it. Mm. It was okay. You know, I, I was you know successful. I'm not going to do it again. But obviously, that's not what your intent is, and no. there's still stuff that you want to create and, and yeah, you know, present to people. Yes, I mean, there's, I mean, I love the fact that that I've gotten this far, and I'm gonna ride it as far as I possibly can, so to say. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I'm excited about it because I mean, this is this is the stepping stone. So 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 the fact that the core book is out means that I now have the opportunity to do all the things I want to do with it, um, you know. So starting work on this next one um, is amazing. I can't wait to really get dug into that. And there's there's so many ideas and so much stuff I want to show to people. So that's really amazing. At the same time, I'm looking into to taking it into different avenues as well, looking into minis and that sort of thing. Uh, also looking into digitizing some of it maybe and then i have another game in the back of my head that i want to you know maybe focus on at some point down the line uh so there's it is a job it has become a job with with all right. the good and, and bad stuff for that because obviously now there's you know doing all the organizational work and the taxes <laughs> and all and the admin and all that stuff but 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 one of the things that i really like actually as well is that there's facets to it 
because I'm the kind of person when I, if I only have to do one thing, I get bored with it or, or I lose, I lose the inspiration. So actually being able to jump from doing, you know, budgets to doing the art, to doing the writing, to discussing with artists, to doing the marketing bit and all that stuff that, that just really works for me because I like, you know, having, having to do all these different facets all the time. So that, that keeps me, uh, that keeps me quite happy. So, um, so it's cool. good. Yeah. Yeah. Dream so job. do you have like a timetable when you might have that next Kickstarter for your Don't book? Don't pressure him. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I actually do. Um, oh. I have I have sort of a preliminary plan, which, uh, well, I have a couple of preliminary plans. One is for the next year or so, which means that within the next 12 months, there should be at least two new releases from Black Void. Uh, and then I'm working on a five-year plan as well. I haven't gotten that far with that one, but you know, within the next within the next twelve months, you should see at least two more releases from uh, from Blackpoint. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Keeping I you busy. Good. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So busy, but I love that. That's amazing. You know, and my my kids are like, Dad, can we play Black Void? I'm like, Yeah, all right, but it's not really for <laughs> for youngsters. But okay, we can take out the blood and guts and then see how it works. Um, that's what Saul did with yeah. ours. Uh, yeah. but, and it works. I mean, one of one of the things that he did, he's 10, my oldest. Um, okay. I don't know how that came about, but he found an alien watermelon and then he tried to eat that and then that went all awry. And, you know, so you can you can tweak it if you want to. Um, so. <laughs> Just take out all the all the gory bits and it's fine for kids as well, I guess. Yeah, I started my son when he was about five. Yeah. Because he was... You know, he grew up with obviously he was around when we were playing mm. and I kept putting it off. I go, no, you're too old, you're too young, you're too young. Yeah. And then finally, I'm like, if I can get them interested in my favorite hobby, mm. then I'm going to run a game. So I start running yeah. a game with them. Mm-hmm. And then sooner or later, his friends wanted to play. And cool. You know, now he's a 16 year old. That's hack amazing. and slash. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. But, amazing. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Cool. So that's cool. I'm mm. glad, you know, you, you're kickstarter was very successful thank you You know you're continuing on with uh with more product for the black void Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know yeah i want to is there anything else you want to tell us um is there anything else i want to tell you i want (laughs) to tell you everything (laughs) no i think i think we covered uh i think we covered a good portion i mean i'm very excited about the new stuff it's gonna I think the plan is to kickstart it as well. So that's going to be probably early 2020. That's going to come. Um, so what's going on right now is I just got the Discord server up and running. So there's quite a few people on there. So if anyone oh, yeah. wants to join there, that'd be really cool. We talk about rules and plots and ideas and, and that sort of thing. So that's really cool. Um, and we're I'm going to try to set up on probably roll 20 as well um and what else yeah 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 i I was on your discord server and i was Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of people on there there is a lot of people on there. (laughs) i was like wow yeah it's really cool so yeah it's pretty neat i hadn't done it for other role-playing games Mm. because you know i I, I don't know why, but and I know other people have Discord servers. Yeah. But I heard you had one, so I went there mm. and you were on there. Was yeah. like another good okay. thing. Well, I like, have it on oh. my phone, so it's on there constantly. <laughs> well, see, yeah, I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> well, 
eventually maybe yeah yeah i'll be, I'll be as organized and as technological as you exactly cool. so we have a lot to look forward from you yes and uh we're pretty excited. Uh, cool. You're obviously pretty excited. I am. You're pretty jazzed about this yep. whole, uh, how mm. successful you've been. Yeah. Well, but, you know, that, that sets the bar as well. So now I want to supersede what what uh, what I've done already. So uh, hopefully we've got amazing things to look forward to. I'm sure you do. I'm looking at the core book and I'm like, well, I can only imagine what's, what you're coming up with for the next uh, the next. Well, that's putting time. pressure on me, but that's good. I mean, that's... Uh, <laughs> I, I think that. you do pretty good under pressure. Ah, just... I'm amazing <laughs> at putting pressure on myself. I have the worst boss <laughs> in the world because he's always, he's always like, you're never good enough. You're never fast enough. It's always terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't know. You've done pretty good so far. I Thank think. you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Go ahead. Gaming Mike. Perspectives with <laughs> Saul and Jolene. And Christopher. And you have a good day. And Christopher. And Christopher. <laughs>